Welcome along to the latest in our series of hotel rooms around the world. Today we take you off to Mumbai, uh, where we are inspecting a hotel room uh, and our on-the-ground correspondent in Mumbai this morning is Mr Nick Knight. Nick, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, thanks very much for the intro Yeah, in Mumbai. Yeah, we've been... Um, uh, Webby, help me out this. We've had uh, Shane Watson in Sydney. We've had Adam Zampa in Sydney. Um, what other hotel rooms have we been to recently? Uh, where was Jaunty? Jaunty Roads. Jaunty Roads. He was in Lahore. Yeah. Uh, um, Craig Johnston was in Newcastle outside of Sydney. Yeah, you can't <laughs> say you can't say Sydney. You have to say Newcastle with Craig Johnston. He got a bit uh, <laughs> corrected us on that one, didn't he? Um, but yeah, obviously with the the whole quarantine situation and whatever else, and people travelling. Um, what what brings you to Mumbai, Nick? Well, um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm working currently on the test series between um, Australia and India. I'm working for Sony at the moment. They they do um, they have their studios here in Mumbai, so uh, we're doing it from the studios. So we, we get up at some ridiculous hour in the morning most of the time to cover the test. I think we're on air about four o'clock in the morning Mumbai time because obviously that then corresponds to Australian time. Um, four test matches, absolutely loving it. I've worked a little bit for them before, uh, just to work on a, a major series like that with um, fantastic people out here. I mean, it, it, if, if you've never been lucky enough, I'm sure many haven't, to come to Mumbai or India, I mean, it, it is just cricket mad. I mean, I know the situation right now is different with COVID and restrictions, etc., but the cricket mad community here is still very much in force. And to work on a on a series like that it's been amazing I've still got two tests to go been quite uh, been quite a series so far hasn't it that, that India all out for 36 um, a highlight so far um, it's all set up isn't it it is all set up and of course I'm playing the neutral here so I'm having quite a lot of fun because you've got Glenn McGrath who's, who's the Aussie and of course Glenn bless him but he's always he's always saying 4-0 5-0 whatever the series <laughs> is you're going to win um, and he was so fully endorsing that, as you can imagine, when they won the first game. Um, but he's been a little quieter since. After the, <laughs> things haven't quite worked out for them. Um, but yeah, so that, that that's great. And of course, the Indian contingent here working a lot. They, they, they've had their highs and lows, and I'm just sort of maintaining that middle course, just, just enjoying the whole the whole cricket. Yeah, it's been you're right. It's been um, it's been a fascinating series. I, I mean. You'd say, really. I mean, I know India lost that first one in a horrific way, really, being bowled out for 36. But actually, for most of that test match, they dominated. And then, of course, they dominated the second test match and won it. So, really, they'll look back after two tests and say, we're bossing, this, we're bossing the test series, even though they lost that first one. So, yeah, there's lots to play for. And who's to say that Australia are not going to fight back in, in, in the third? So, yeah, it's been fascinating. Has Cody's absence made a difference... Um, after the first test? Well, I, I mean, clearly Rahani did a terrific job. I, I think he's a fantastic captain, actually. He's done it a few times. I mean, tactically, he looks very sound. Obviously, the 100 he scored, the pressure on, on the captain, he put himself up the batting order. Um, I, I mean, yes, is the easy answer and the right answer. Of course, any team that doesn't have Virat Kohli in uh, is going to miss, miss, miss massively his, his skills and what he brings to the team. Um, and, and I think that actually was perhaps the most impressive aspect of India in the test match itself, that, that they were able to shake that off pretty quickly. And you've got to remember, of course, Shami, Mami Shami, um, broke an arm in that first test match, so couldn't play. 
in the second, and he he was fantastic and has been for a long period of time. So you, you're talking about two major major players, and they sort of shook themselves down, got over that 36 all out, and and performed incredibly well. That they have got some seriously good cricketers. By the way, this Shubman Gill, if if you haven't seen him play and you love your cricket. He's going to be a superstar of the future. He is a fantastic player. He's certainly one to look out for. He, he makes batting look a lot simpler than others. Um, so if you get a chance to watch him, enjoy watching him over the next 10 years. Well, probably he'll come against England. Uh, in a, uh, and is it next month that uh, there's a, the, the, the series against England starts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, February the 5th, I think. They've got four test matches there. So it's a quick turnaround for everyone because England, I think, I think England leave... Today, don't they? They, yeah. they come to um, Sri Lanka first for two tests and then they hop over yeah. here to India. So everyone's got quick turnaround before that series. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, England traditionally find it tough over here with the conditions. But then India have got to quickly adapt from conditions they've been in over in Australia, which is going to be very different to back here. So, yeah, I mean, that first test match is going to be all to play for. Having had no, obviously, because of COVID and all the rest of it, uh, and having had been starved of cricket for the first half of 2020. Um, the calendar now is is really packed through this year. I mean, you just mentioned that um, India have got to do a quick turnaround. Um, Sri Lanka, similarly, see, they're down in um, uh, New Zealand at the moment. They've got to turn around and host England. And then as you look at it all, um, and you think this time next year, um, we've got an Ashes series to, to battle out. Um, the workload is quite big, and we've talked before um, not only about the physical impact on players of such a heavy workload, but also um, the mental requirements. Because mm. with quarantine and you know spending so much time locked up in hotel rooms, and um, we've seen already with people like Tom Bantley, it's it's caused them to you know have second thoughts about things. Um, have you got any thoughts on or views on on, on what it's going to be like? Yeah, well, obviously, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, I've been part of it myself during the English summer um, to, to a smaller degree because, I mean, what the ECB and, and the broadcast and everyone put together during the English summer last year was absolutely incredible. I mean, to, to piece that all together and to get through that summer in the way that they did and the, the touring teams coming over was incredible. And as I say, I was a part of that, so I saw it firsthand, just how, how the, all the work that had gone in to make it work now, the, the plus side, of course, is we get to watch cricket, we get to work on cricket, the players get to play, fans get to watch it, which is the big plus, of course, of it. But, but you rightly say it's, it's all a bit different. And I think the way I look at it is, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm sat here now in my hotel room. I'm not allowed to go out of my hotel room today specifically because I've had another COVID test and we have to sit around waiting for the results for 24 hours. So I'm not... Right now, I've been here for three and a half weeks, so I'm not in my hotel room all the time, apart from when I have the test and then wait for the result. So I, I'm allowed to... It, it, hotel life is very different. We're in a little bubble here, so we've all got our own areas where we can go. But I can. there's a little recreational area outside, so I can go down in the lift and go outside, have a wander around, get some fresh air, whatever. Um, but yeah, we all have to serve our quarantine. And there's, I think there's, there's a couple of ways to look at it and I'm sure the players do this as well, is you can sort of sit here like I am today and think, oh, this is tough, and I'm away from home, and I've been away over Christmas, and this is tough, which we all have those moments where you, you sink a bit lower than normal, and everyone's struggling. 
But actually, then you have to sort of kick yourself and say, hang on a minute, I'm getting work here. I'm getting a great opportunity to go and do what I love doing. This is my life cricket. I'm getting an opportunity to work on it. Don't moan. Just get on with it and enjoy what you've got whilst you've got it. And that's the way I get myself through because, you know, it's easy to sit here on my couch moaning that, God, this is tough. But there's a lot more people out there who have got it tough, who haven't got the opportunity. When the phone rings, do you want to go to Mumbai over Christmas and New Year and work on this series? Perhaps the easier thing for me to have said was, do you know what? I've got quarantine to do. I'm going to be sitting in a hotel room for a lot. This is going to be tough. Yeah, I've got to accept that. But you know what? The phone's not always going to ring. And so, I, you know, I, I see it more like that than, than the downside. And so that's the way I get myself through it. And, and I think we all have to do that at these times. We, in some ways, when we're stuck in these hotel rooms, we're actually the lucky ones. Other than the obvious difference that, you know, for, for an Australia-India series, if you were commentating, you'd be in Australia. Um, how, how different is the environment? So if today was a, was, a, was a day off or a rest day or whatever, would you typically be out and about and exploring the local area? Uh, or would it be time spent in the hotel room? I think it depends a little bit on your character and what you like doing and what you enjoy doing when you're away from home. Some people will sit in the room and do room service and watch telly and films and just while away the time like that. I, I personally can't do that. It's just not for me. It's a bit cabin feverish. So on tours, I spend as less time in my room as possible. So I'm looking out, trying to get out into the local area, going to restaurants, going to parks, having a wander around, walking, getting out of the room because that's my way of coping. Um, you know, so, so people would do it differently. But, yeah, so that's why for people like me who like to get out of the room, you know, this is quite difficult being sat in the room all day doing, you know, for, for others, they probably quite enjoy getting all the videos out and, and watching all the films and stuff. But for me, that's quite dull. Um, so that's a bit of a challenge, but yeah, that's where it's so different for us. Who we, we want to get out and 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 be, we're lucky to go to these countries. We're lucky to immerse yourself in different cultures and be part of different lifestyles. Um, and that's one of the beauties of being an international cricketer that you get those chances. But of course, now it's all a little different. You can't do that. I, I do. Uh, I mean, you look at England's tour now. So my understanding is that that that's going to be split up a little bit. So you're not going to have. I, I don't imagine that one person is going to do um, what Sri Lanka and then two months in India. I, I'm, my understanding is it's going to be a swapping and changing, change of personnel, you know, for the mental health side of it. I mean, that's, that's totally understandable and totally fair. Uh, so I imagine that'll be a, a way where players can, you know, try and get some kind of normality in what is a very unnormal world at the moment. Now, talking about travel, you've, you've led me on to um, a chance to get your side of the story. We had Matt Floyd on the show um, a couple of weeks back, and he was gleefully telling us a story about you guys being down in Johannesburg uh, on an England tour uh, and arranging to go for a curry one evening after play. And uh, everyone going down there, and the only person missing from the table was a certain N. Knight, um, right. <laughs> who had been, who was on the missing list, and um, eventually, Matt said that they got hold of you on the phone, and having been told to meet in the curry house on the square where there's a big statue of Nelson, 
Um, that was oh, where God. they were going to be. I remember this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently you, 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 had, you had gone looking for a different kind of Nelson, apparently. Yeah, I mean, just an airhead, really. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just often sort of found myself waiting in the wrong restaurant or not really listening as to what the arrangements were, but just sort of nodding in agreement. Yeah, I'll see you there at seven or see you in the bar at 7.30 or whatever. And I'll just sort of, you know in my own little world at times and and of course they'd said some, some area and i i thought of another one so i got i think they got there for dessert or something i, I, was, I was just waiting outside there was this i think there was this sort of um statue of nelson or something and i know and i was just standing there waiting for the lads or so i don't know what i was doing but as usual just in a different world really but yeah i do remember that uh, we had some fun we had some fun <laughs> and is it true about NASA being really generous and buying drinks all the time and picking up the bills? <laughs> I mean, I so Nas and I must have played together Essex for a few years before I moved on. Played for England together for many years. Commentate together for many years. I I'm not sure he's at. Oh, it's one drink he might have bought. That's about it, Max. If it's one coffee he's bought, it's about Max. Um, yeah, absolutely. And he tries to tries to make out that I'm the tight one. I mean, you know, after all of that, um, anyway, yeah, yeah, it's he, he, yeah, one drink, I reckon, in 20 years. There you go. <laughs> I think we need to get NASA on here to, to refute these charges, Darren. Oh, he'll, he'll have a go, don't worry. I keep, I keep asking him, I keep bumping into him at uh, I, I bumped into him a few times over the summer at club, a couple of club matches because his, his son is the same age as mine, um, and he plays for Hutton, um, yeah. and uh. Yeah, it was always, yeah, I will do it, I will do it, I, will do it. I haven't forgotten, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep phoning, keep phoning him, you'll get, you'll get him. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's wind it back. Um, obviously these days, well known for, for, for hosting and commentating on, on, on cricket, as you say, around the world. Um, but let's go back to Felsted School, where um, yeah, your Essex connection sort of starts. Um, uh, a very strong cricketing school, Felsted, isn't it? It's a very uh, uh, and a very nice setting to play cricket as well, from from my experiences. Absolutely, uh, I mean Pringle, Derek Pringle, John Stevenson, then myself. I think I think that was over a, a sort of fifteen year period. So none of us overlapped. So so Pring did five and then left, and then Stan John Stevenson did five and then left, and then I came and did five and left. Um, I mean, really, it, you need we need to talk no more about that than Gordon Barker. I mean, Gordon, late Gordon, Gordon's not with us anymore. Um, you know, the influence he had on me and Pring and Stan, John Stevenson was immense. And, and really, you know, I, I always say that my kids play a lot of sport. I would say, you know, you need a little bit of luck to get you going. And, that, and that's what my little bit of luck was, to meet Gordon and to, in my kind of formative years, to spend the hours and days and weeks and months and years of practice with him was really what gave me the chance to be, be a cricketer. I mean, without that, I, I strongly believe I would, would not have made it as a cricketer. I mean, his influence on me was, was massive. And the enthusiasm he had, the time he gave, the expertise he gave was just the luck I needed. And I was lucky enough I took advantage of it. But... That, that set me on my way. And I'm sure Pring and John Stevenson would say exactly the same thing. You just need that little bit of luck. And I, I was lucky to have it. And then Brentwood's cricket club? And, and Brentwood, of course, played their part as well. I mean, I... I so, I... Because, obviously, I played at, at Felston. Then I went to 
got lucky enough, Gordon obviously had a huge influence with Essex County Cricket Club. So I'm sure when Gordon picked up the phone to someone and said, we've got this young lad here who's decent, you go have a look at him. You know, again, that was a bit of luck. So you get the opportunity. And, th- and this is where I feel for some of the kids in club cricket as well. You just need that little bit of be seen on the right day by the right person just to give you that little push. And I, I was so fortunate that I had a the grounding at, at, with Gordon and also you know, his opinion, which was so valued by Essex. So that gave me a real sort of push in that direction. And then Brentwood was my sort of club side, really. And I, you know, I think I played in 91, 92, 93 era. And that was, that was a great education for me because I'd, I'd played schools cricket. I'd played representative cricket. And all of a sudden, I was playing club cricket, which, which I hadn't really grown up playing at, at the junior levels. And so to socially, to, to sort of mix and understand what club cricket was for two or three years before I went to play first-class cricket it was unbelievable. I mean, you know, I, I still you know, I see the old picture of the guys. And I, it brings back such fond memories of playing, playing with those guys. And we, we had such fun. And I think, I think the fun thing was, was, was the really thing I'd remember as well. Because representative cricket, schools cricket can be quite serious and you kind of want to be the best player and you want to push on and get all the runs. And you want to do that at club level, but the fun that we had was something I'll always remember. And Nick, do you remember how that came about and, and how you were uh, introduced to Brentwood? Because you know, the, the county setup has changed a little bit now and it's not so much that the county's farm, um, the, kind of the up-and-coming players out to to clubs but more more the reverse so do you remember how as a as a 20 21 22 year old kid you were you were asked to play for Brentwood? i think i was just told i think i was just told <laughs> i just thought so, right you're a young lad doing okay in the second team your next bit of your education by the way is to play club cricket and this is who you're playing for um so i think it was as simple as that and and it was a yes sir yes sir yes sir i'll do exactly what i'm told sir and get in the car and go and play at Brentwood. And that, and that was, you know, that, 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 as I say, was a great thing for me because you literally get out of the car, you don't know anyone. I, I mean, you guys were fantastic with me. The club looked after me incredibly well. But I, I get out of my car and meet, you know, 10 or 11, 12 people in the squad I'd never met before. And I've got to go out and try and impress you guys and do well and, and learn to mix with you guys and socialise and learn what club cricket's all about. So it was sort of, you know, it was a bit of a... Um, yeah, it was just a great experience, but it was quite daunting when I first, I remember first getting out of the car thinking, geez, you, you guys have been playing together for years and you've all been part of this club, brilliant club for so many years. And here's this guy who's coming in from completely outside of it. It just, it just take, took a little while to get used to it. But, you know, the guys made me feel so welcome. As you climb the ladder, Nick, how, how does that change or does it change? You know, you go from club cricket to county to England uh, and, and playing around the world. Um, what are the differences in, in the experience as a player? Well, I mean, the obvious thing is, I mean, the, the standard, I suppose, is the obvious thing. But but I think that's the one thing you learn from your club cricket and your school's cricket is getting on with people, try, trying to be part of a team. You know, that's the same whether you're Essex, England, Brentwood, whatever. So that, that that's a key part of it. Um, I mean, for, I'll be honest, when I was playing Brentwood and then Essex Seconds, I, I, I dreamt that I'd be a cricketer. I, I dreamt and hoped that I'd play for Essex. I, I wasn't really thinking about England at that point because I, I just didn't think I'd be... I'm not sure I thought I'd be good enough, if I'm honest with you. I, I, it was just... 
look, the dream is to be a first-class cricketer, be a, be a professor. I mean, the dream is to be an international cricketer, but the, let, let's let's go one step step at a time. And um, so when I first started playing Essex, I remember my first Essex second game was at Chelmsford against Middlesex, and Tuffers was playing, Phil Tufnell, Angus Fraser was playing. And I think Gus got me out. I don't. I honestly didn't see the ball. I just nicked it and I had to walk off because I heard the, the nick and walk, I didn't actually see it. And I was thinking, I think I'm probably 16 or something at the time. I was thinking, okay, so the dream is to play for Essex and first class cricket. I'm a long way off here because I didn't see that. So you, you sort of you sort of take it step by step and then think, right, I'm not going to let that beat me. I'm gonna I'm gonna push on and and then slowly you feel more comfortable in second team cricket. And then when you think, right, now I've got my chance to play first team cricket, it's just, you know, I, I mean, it just goes up another notch. I played against Derbyshire, Devin Malcolm on my debut, Dominic Cork, who's playing, you know, was a real, was on top of his game at that time. And I, and I was like, whoa, I think I got sort of 20 odd in my first game. And, and that felt like it was 100 at school. You know, I got 20 in a first class game. So it's just small steps, really. And then, and then when you make your test match debut, I, I mean, you sort of have to sort of pinch yourself because... You, you, you know, I played 18 England A, which was again another stepping stone. But on, on my debut, I, I remember walking out with Michael Allerton playing against the West Indies in '95, and I was just like, "Is this really happening?" I mean, wow! And and Ada's saying to me, "Gina, do you want to take one or two when we open together?" So I, you know, whatever. You're Michael Allerton, you take one or two, whatever. I'm just the, the new kid on the block, and. You know, I, I remember that test match, my first test match. I, I had to said, "You take one, then." So I took one. So I, I took guard. And, and looked up. We'd already bowled the West Indies out. It was about tea time on the first day. And I looked up, and there I could see nobody else but Dickie Bird, who was, who was umpiring, and Curtly Ambrose, who was... Well, I could barely see him. I mean, he was literally by the sight screen. And I looked around. I couldn't see anyone else, apart from seven slips and two gullies. So I was thinking, I was thinking OK, so it's my test match debut. This lot don't make me feel great, because they don't think I'm particularly good, because I can't hit the ball in front of square. And there's seven, seven slips or whatever. So... I mean, you realise quickly the standard. And, and actually, on my, I say on that first ball, Curtly came thundering in and hit me straight on the glove. And I was caught by Jimmy Adams at short leg on first ball in test cricket. So I started walking off and it was a no ball. Oh. So Dick, Dickie's shouting, no ball, no ball, no ball. So I'd already walked off about, I don't know, three or four yards. Jimmy Adams was stood there. Jimmy's going, Nick, you better go back. And I, and I must admit, I had two thoughts. So I thought, hang on a minute. Do I really want to go back here and put myself through that again? Or shall I just keep walking? So <laughs> in the end, I, I had to go back, obviously. And I, I managed to get, I don't know, I think I got 17 or something. But batted for about an hour and a half. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, that 17 felt like it was 217. Because you know, I, I wasn't one of these players that suddenly thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an amazing cricketer. I'm going to... I just didn't have that self-confidence. And so it was all a bit of a sort of strategic journey and convincing yourself as you went along that you could do it. And then wind, wind forward a few years and you uh, reportedly faced the first 100-mile-an-hour ball from Shoaib. Yeah, well, that, that's right. And um, I mean, that, that, was, that was an event in itself. And that was the World Cup in 2003. So I was, I was obviously watching that World I was playing in it, but obviously watching Pakistan's games and he was bowling, Shoaib was bowling the speed of light. I mean, he was, he was regularly clocking 95 in the, in the tournament. So when we played against the West Indies, uh, when we played against Pakistan, I, I usually, I won't go into the boring technical stuff, I usually had a little press forward. And I, I thought, well, that's, that's not going to work against Shoaib because he's got great rhythm. So I, I need to be going back and across. So 
anyway, I was quite a nervy cricketer. So I, I got to the ground at Newlands. Oh, I must have been an hour before anybody else. I just got a taxi, got to the ground. So I like to get on the ground and I like to um, sort of just do this visualisation stuff, get my bat on the pitch, just pretend, you know, who's going to be bowling, what's the wind like, what conditions like. So it was me in the middle of Newlands with my bat in my tracksuit with a few stewards around the, around the pitch and then suddenly I looked up and there was this bloke with his spikes on running down. You know, for those of you that, re- that know Newlands, massive great big pavilion on the far side where the dressing rooms are and these long, long steps down to the ground. And I heard this clitter, clack, 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 all the way down. And uh, I, look, I looked up again and there was Shoeb, right? He'd obviously got to ground before his boys. So just me and, it's a true story, just me and Shoeb on the ground. He went to the far side screen. And obviously didn't have a ball in his hand. And there's me with my bat in hand. And there's him running in at the speed of light like he used to, without a ball. Runs through the crease, pretends to bowl, comes right up to me face to face. I can't tell you exactly what he said, but it was something, <laughs> it was something along the lines of, I'm going to bowl extremely quickly to you today. Um, and, and I said, well, that's very kind. He tells the story that I said, make sure you pitch it up. I'm not quite sure that's what I said. But anyway, I was probably just shivering in my boots at the time. And then he just walked off. <laughs> And of course, you know, hours later or whatever, he bowls the fastest ball. But he wasn't—he wasn't really that interested in getting me out. I don't reckon. What he was interested in was was just bowling that fastest ball. Because as again, those of you that know Newlands, um, as he was bowling from the top, the pavilion end, he would bowl. I barely ball had barely got out of his hand, and he'd sort of look and glance left where the speedo was going up on the main screen. So every time he was bowling, it was 95.6 or 97.8 or whatever. Every ball was in the same spot, back of a length, and it was just fizzing past me to the keeper. And then I think the ball before, one of the balls before he bowled the fastest ball, I thought, I can't keep leaving it outside off start. So I went to have a little pull at one, and I literally got halfway through the shot, hit the top edge of my bat and went over the keeper for six. And and that was confirmation then that this was quite quick because I didn't get my bat down in time. And then he bowled the fastest ball and then everyone clapped on the ground and he saw, he saw it and got all excited. And then that was almost like the end of the day, really, that the game was done. I mean, as far as he was concerned, that was all that he wanted to do. He, I think he might have even gone off for a spell after that, but it job done. Fastest ball bowled. And there was me. I, I couldn't get off strike. There was Triscothic and Horn who were just sitting on their bat at the other end. And, and I was trying to get off strike in ones and they were just not interested. So I had to sort of go through the whole spell. But we were... We're good mates, um, and and we have a bit of a laugh about it now. And and I actually, I actually, sorry to rap, rant on about it, but I actually sent um, just to keep a record of it. Uh, we got a picture done, and I sent a frame out to Islamabad. That was after the World Cup, so I'd signed it, and they was going to get him to sign it. And so I thought I'd send this frame out to Islamabad, and I'm, I'm never going to see it again. Is you know, show it back to our Islamabad, whatever his address was. Well, within a couple of weeks, it came back signed. So there you go. So he didn't bother to do that and send it back. So we have a bit of a giggle about it now. It was quite an era for genuinely frightening fast bowlers. I mean, I'm, I'm now picturing Shoei coming in, and it was a it was a fearsome sight. But you also had people like Alan Donald, Kirtley Ambrose. That even before the balls left their hand, you know, your your, your knees must have been knocking some of these guys. Yeah, I'll tell you a story about Alan Donald. So we're good mates. So we played at Warwickshire together for years. And I played in a test match. I think it would have been 90, I'm thinking 98 Old Trafford. Uh, pretty sure it was then. Anyway, he was, and you're right. I mean, mid-90s, he was bowling the speed of light. I mean, 
He, even in the nets at Warwickshire, he wasn't allowed a bowl prop because he'd kill someone. But he, he used to run in and just, you know, off two or three paces, even that was quicker than anybody else. He, he didn't know how to bowl slowly. He, he had to bowl quick. And he played with me. He came round the wicket at me in this test match. I opened the batting and he kept hitting me in the ribs, just round that rib area, sort of trying to get me on the elbow rib area because he knew that was the place to bowl, to, you know, to, to not necessarily just to soften me up a little bit. So he bowled that and he kept hitting me and I kept getting ones. And I'd, I'd get through to the non-striker's end and he'd wait for me behind the umpire and he'd look at me and go, you're right, mate. I said, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. He goes, I'll buy you a beer later, mate, but there's more coming. I was like, all right, thanks very much. So we'd have this little bit of fun. You know, it's a test match. Um, and of course, I'm trying to survive and, and get through and he's trying to get me out. But in the midst of that, there's that human side to it where you're playing against a, a great mate and, you know, for one moment, he wasn't detracting from trying to get me out and I wasn't trying to... You know, you know, we were both going the best we could, but there was that little bit of fun element to it as well, and that human side. And I always remember that. <laughs> so, um, tell us about the transition from playing into journalism and media. Um, how how did that come about? What was was that a plan or by accident? Hey. Yeah, sort of. I mean, sort of. I, I just, I, if I'm honest with you, I just love cricket. I mean, I, I don't mind admitting it. I'm a complete cricket nut. Um, so, you know, I love playing the game. And when, even when you play it, I love watching the game. So the sort of end part of my career, I started doing stuff on the telly with, with Sky and you know, doing some domestic games and watching and, and commenting on it. And just as much as anything, because I just love talking about cricket I just loved the game and then the more I did the more I got into it the more I thought I'd quite like to do it um, and then the more interest they had with me and then we went from there really and, and once I'd finished um, you know I'd got I got cricket out of my system playing wise I think that's really important for me because I, I didn't want to go into doing something else when I still felt I want to be on the pitch so I got all the cricket playing stuff out of the way mentally so I didn't I always think it'd be tough to go into the commentary box if you've got a bit of baggage, if you've got sort of, you know, if you get, perhaps get the sack or, you know, think you don't finish the game on your terms, then it must be a bit tougher. But I, I was lucky. I finished the game on my terms. I retired from both international, well, one-day cricket back in 2003 and first-class cricket. So I, I was happy to go out. I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I'd been pushed out or, you know, so I went into cricket commentary and just because I love the game and I love talking about it so I'm even now I mean I've done it for what 15 16 years I still get really excited getting up and going to commentate on a game because I'm really fascinated to find out what's going to happen <laughs> and I, you know I, I come across as a you know I'm sure you know cricket nuffy but I, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I just love the game yeah so, so what's uh, uh, 2021 uh, got lined up for you, Nick. Um, obviously, we said there's a lot of cricket going on. Um, how involved are you going to be? Well, hopefully, hopefully lots. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, there's going to be so much cricket going on. Um, it's just a case of who's got what and what who's got what rights to do this and that, and then we we're able to go and cover it. Um, yeah, obviously, this year it's a little bit more tricky. Next or this coming year, it's going to be probably as tricky to start with, with traveling and quarantine and et cetera. You know, that's a bit of an uncertain world still at the moment. So we, we have to sort of go with that and see what, what that brings and what availability we have. But 
yeah, I, you know, I, I hope to be continuing doing doing the same thing as I've done for a while. Um, you know, we'll just have to wait and find out how it all plays out. But I just love cricket. I, I've said it many times. So, I mean, as we're doing this now, I'm watching the Big Bash, which is I'm just keeping an eye on the Big Bash. So the the the, the stars are playing um, the Hurricanes. So I just keep an eye. On it. I mean, you know, it's, it's sad. And actually, on that, Glen Glen McGrath, right here. So he's been out here with with me for three or four weeks. And of course, we're out in Mumbai. So I mean, they've got probably four or five you know, channels which have got live cricket on, or, or cricket that's been played out in the years gone by. So, so, so Glenn's been here for four or five weeks. I don't think he's seen Australia win a game yet because all the re- all the replays he's got hammered. Which I mean, uh, there's only a handful of games that ever happened, and Australia have never won a game out here. I don't reckon because we keep meeting up for dinner and lunch and breakfast. I say, have you seen Aussies winning? No, he says, I tell you what, Australia lost another game. They keep replaying all the games that Australia lost. So he's having a bit of a hard time with it. He keeps seeing himself on the telly when he's in the gym, and he's going for another Sachin's hitting for another four or six or whatever. Um, the great Glenn McGrath. I mean that, but that on that, that's one of the, the beauties of doing the commentary. Really, that you, I mean, I'd have played against Glenn for many, many years, and I, I, I reckon, I reckon there was only probably one time where I ever hit him for four or six. I got the better of him, and and actually, you know, to be able to talk about that now and have the fun element to what we did, and 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 talk about those eras and those games is is, is terrific. So, so to be able to talk about the good old days and and, and talk through all that sort, of, I mean, it's just fantastic. I don't know if you can chances. see, but there is a picture of Glenn McGrath, me, and Ricky Ponting. Yeah, uh, from a few years ago. Obviously, we're close mates. <laughs> Obviously, big you buddies. Did they ask you about the stock exchange and the stock oh, market? Or not? Everyone does. Everyone does. <laughs> you have to get Glenn to come and agree to have a little chat with us. Um, if he's got a spare five minutes, because, uh, yeah, I think that would be interesting. <laughs> I'll ask him for you. He, yeah. he'll be in the, he's in the next door room, so I'm sure he's not doing much. But um, you can, you can, yeah. You can say, yeah, look, remember the dads are big, close, personal friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, he's good like that. i t- tell you what, the other thing that you notice about someone like him is how he remembers every single wicket. So he's got 563 test match wickets. I think he's got 944 international wickets. And if you said to him, go on, who was number 263? He'll say well, Michael Vaughan or whatever. And he'll tell you how he did it. I mean, talk about me being a cricket nuffy. He knows everything about everything he did. He could tell you every moment, every spell, every wicket, what it was like bowling to Sachin, what it was like bowling to Lara. Um, yeah, I mean, he just, he could live, you, he could talk you through every moment of his career. Fascinating. Can you often talk through all of your one first-class wickets? Well, I have told him. I have actually told him that. I said, you're up against it a bit. I said, do you ever get Desmond Haynes out? He said, why? You've got Desmond Haynes out. I said, yeah, well, Uxbridge, short ball, softened him up, length ball outside off, you know, little two-carder, caught, caught me off, <laughs> go for a big whoosh outside off stub. Um, yeah, Desi Haynes, gosh, yeah, that was the good old days. Uxbridge, yeah. God. And then the, back, then the back went, and that was that. But, but I bowled a bit of Brentwood, didn't I? I would have bowled a bit of Brentwood, I'm sure, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Fun times, fun times. So we're going to get you back to Brentwood for a pint and uh, a few more stories in the bar at some point when things ease up? Absolutely, only way is Essex now, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the life is a bit different. When, when I was at Brentwood, it was, it was beer in the bar down to, was it the White Hart or something? And then, then off. 
Um, yeah. and, and now it's, yeah. Well, now it's changed. All, now, well, that's all very different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, the sentiment's I, still there. I'd love, to, I'd love to come. You're still in the same place, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, the old county ground's still there. Yeah. Looking yeah. better than ever. Brilliant. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to come back and um, and have a have a have a drink there and catch up with the guys at some point. Yeah, we'd Thanks. love to have you there. All right, Nick, we'll wrap it up there. Um, excellent value. Many, many thanks for giving us your time and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, Australia-India series. Looks like an absolute cracker um, and I think it'll go all the way. Uh, and then um, look forward to hearing your voice uh, further in, uh, in 2021. Okay, guys, thanks ever so much. Really enjoyed that. Cheers. <laughs>